All right. Should we just uh, should we just hop into it? Do you think? Yeah. Should we uh, activate the podcast? <laughs> yes. podcast hello everyone welcome to you activated my podcast the weekly you go recap podcast i'm tyler i'm jimmy and this week we're talking about season two episode six stalked by the rare hunters jimmy Yikes. just did a big old yawn <laughs> so excited <laughs> sorry i got like five hours of sleep last night and then like in the middle of the day i took a one hour chaos nap and it kind of got me I'm, through. I'm 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 sorry. A what? <laughs> a chaos nap. Is that like a? That sounds like a Sonic the Hedgehog thing. Somehow. It's when you start napping like and you have no idea how long it's going to take you. Like it could be a thirty minute nap. It could be four hours. You don't know. So like a nap, like a normal nap. Yeah, but there's that extra edge of. Uh, unreliability to it because some people can just like sleep for a little bit and wake up so so is part of the like is that part of the enjoyability of of a chaos nap is sort of the the danger of it like no that is i'm gonna take this nap and fuck it if i miss dinner whatever (sighs) yeah that's i'm a (laughs) I wouldn't say that's thrilling, but it's certainly an, an aspect of a chaos nap is maybe you'll wake up at like 10 p.m. and be like, oh, shit, this is my actual bedtime. And now I'm going to be awake until three in the morning. I'm a rebel. And I haven't had nap dinner by the rules. <laughs> so do you want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> I mean, no, I want to make this a napping podcast now. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. Welcome to You Activated My Nap. Good night. That would be a great podcast. The uh, nap companion is just like an hour of silence. Yeah. <laughs> and I like at the beginning of the end, it's like, hey, thanks for napping with yeah, us. I think we're going to nap for like, I don't know. Let's just make this a chaos nap. Let's just see when we wake up. <laughs> and it's just sounds of like my fan turning on and some gentle breathing. Yeah. It's just like some light snoring every now and then. Hello and welcome to You Act to Go to My Nap Time. This week, our our ASMR nap podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we'll be taking a 20 minute cat nap. Follow along with us as we dream of Exodia. I wish I could nap for 20 minutes. Can you imagine that kind of power to just fall asleep that quickly? Yeah, I can. It takes me like an hour to fall asleep, just like in general. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I used to be able to do like a cat nap. Like maybe in college, I could like just kind of fall asleep. Like I'm pr- I'm pretty good at falling asleep now. But like 
that's comparatively so pretty good for me is like I can fall asleep within the hour. <laughs> uh my friend yeah, Quinn, who is in the Australian military, has the amazing ability to just anywhere, anytime, he can just, oh, I'm going to take a nap now. And like 30 seconds later, he's out. Is it like a trained thing? Like I think we, that's we... just something you learn in like boot camp or just like in any military in general. You take sleep whenever and however you can get it uh i see so so really the only way that you activated my nap time would be a successful podcast is if we also made this show <laughs> if just we like... also went to boot camp <laughs> well i was gonna say if we also made this show just like endless and more obnoxious than it already is just lull the audience to sleep with how boring we are Right, 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 right. And then arguably well, and then, we can sometimes make do another, that already. Make another podcast, like a partner podcast, as like an escape to from this one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we should talk about. We some have a secondary video. podcast where we talk about the nap co- podcast and rip it apart every week, like we do with Yu Gi Oh. Such and as then, this week, and then you, and then on this podcast we talk about that podcast. So it's just a full <laughs> sort of Ouroboros. <laughs> the endless podcast loop. Uh, before we talk about the episode, let's remind everybody, because uh, I forgot to last week, uh, we do the show for free. So please take that money that you save and go donate to places that can use the, the money, uh, such as the Yellowhammer Fund, Trans Lifeline, uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Um, there was a, a, another thing that I was thinking about uh, last week that I, I realized after we recorded that I forgot to mention um and now i'm forgetting what it is because it's early in my time oh uh trans yeah it's like 6 50 in the morning your time and i can't believe you're even awake that early on a saturday morning to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh with me hey you know i'm 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 here to pod man (laughs) this is what i do please realign your priorities tyler (laughs) go back to bed cuddle Uh, your girlfriend and your dog I'll I'll go back to all of see here's the thing have have a pleasant breakfast jimmy here's this isn't worth it here's the thing First thing, the thing that I was going to say that's actually super cool. So Trans Lifeline has uh, the very first uh, suicide hotline specifically like devoted for um, trans people, which is... The first? Yeah, apparently the first in, in America. Because, huh. uh, I mean, there are suicide hotlines, right? But yeah. specifically for people who like go through like the transition experience, which is like mm-hmm. its own whole separate thing. Uh, they have a hotline for those people. So please, please, please go like donate to Trans Lifeline to like keep that going and encourage that because that is like super necessary because that's where we see a lot of young suicide in this country. Uh, second, the funny thing that I'm going to say now to completely subvert the seriousness <laughs> of that message is that the reason why I like doing this podcast early in the morning on a Saturday is because when we're done, I can go back to bed. <laughs> And nobody gives a shit. <laughs> we do this early in the morning on a weekday. We get done. I have to go straight to a meeting. That's which true. was what I did last week and the week before that, and it sucked ass. <laughs> uh, That's kind of weird because I'm about to go to bed after this, so we'll be in bed together. Just think about that, Tyler. Eh. Eh. Do you want to talk about this podcast? It's time. <laughs> this podcast. This, do you want to talk about this TV show? Welcome to the podcast about itself. 
<laughs> Welcome to our our live recap of our own podcast that we are recording right now. I mean, here's the thing: is we've spent Tyler. Year... I want to cycle back to what I just mentioned not one second ago about Circling. cycling back. <laughs> Jimmy, if I could dovetail back to the thing you said about a minute ago, uh, we have a year and a half's worth of podcasts about Yu-Gi-Oh. What if we just stopped right now? And went back and did a podcast analyzing every episode that we've done so far. That'd be another, you know, easily two, three years worth of content. Because if we talk, if we can talk for two hours about a twenty-minute episode, imagine what we could do talking about a two-hour episode. This is just psychologically horrifying to go back and like go in detail on things you yourself said. Ugh. I mean, that's that's why it takes me so long to get to sleep now. So I, do, I do that constantly. I do that for free at two in the morning. <laughs> I lie awake at night being like, man, why did I say that thing 12 years ago? Why didn't I, why did I say but instead of and? Oh no. Oh shoot. I ended that sentence with a preposition. <laughs> well, I've got a proposition for you and that's want to do a podcast. That was a brilliant transition. Thank you. Yes. I would love to do a <laughs> podcast. Uh, it's time. To discuss the episode. Like I said, this week we're talking about season two, episode six, Stalked by the Rare Hunters. Jimmy, yet again, the translated title is much better than the English title. The translated title is Ghouls Attacks Red Eyes Black Dragon Targeted. Whoa. Now, how That's much is, more ominous. How it is plural ghouls and plural attacks, and not like ghouls attack? Or ghoul attacks? I don't know. Is the person named ghouls? Are they like Here, bones? Let me fix this. There. Ghouls. Add ap- you added an apostrophe. After yes, the added- S. <laughs> ghouls' attack. The, the ghouls' attacks. It's multiple ghouls, and it's their attacks that, the that they're attacks doing. attacks that belong to them. I see. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. The summary of this episode is Joey is cornered by a group of sinister rare hunters who force him into a duel where if he loses, the rare hunters get his precious red eyes black dragon. Oh, Though those Joey ghouls and their duels. With... <laughs> Though Joey pummels his foes with his mighty monster armada, eliminating life points isn't the only path to victory. Bum, bum, bum. I like that summary a lot, actually, because it doesn't give away just the whole plot summary. It Yeah, it doesn't tell you everything that's going to happen. It just uh, it kind of drops little hints. Yeah, It shows yeah. the main, like, confrontation. Right. But and it implies it's not like... that Joey is going to learn something, but it doesn't say what. And he does learn something. That his mother Joey doesn't love things. him. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't think that's it. I don't think that's what he learns. We do meet Mrs. Wheeler, though, for the first time, and I think that that's actually a really lovely moment. Uh, We we can talk about it. That's at the end of the episode. Let's talk about the beginning of the episode. The beginning of the episode (laughs) is my favorite Rodney Dangerfield sketch, where they're at school, and uh, Joey sort of gives us a recap of the last episode, being like, man, I can't believe it. Kaiba's throwing a tournament where everybody has to bet the rarest cards, and all the people with the rare cards are coming in, and they're going to have a big tournament, and the whole city's going to be a tournament now, and, and everybody got an invite, and he goes, I didn't get an invite. I don't get no respect. Hey, <laughs> I'm walking here. 
uh, and he he does sort of the full on like, you know, I was number two at Duelist Kingdom, and I didn't get a personal invite like everybody else, and uh, you know, who now needs I, a stinking tournament anyway? I don't yeah, want no tournament. Exactly, exactly. If they didn't want to invite me, I don't want to be there anyways. What about you, Yugi? And then Yugi says, I have to. I just found out that entering this tournament is the only way I can achieve my destiny. Just so excited. He has no idea what the hell is coming his way, but he's just happy to be there. He is legitimately happy about this. Like, the line itself doesn't read as somebody who is happy about a thing, but the way that he plays it is so just like genuinely excited to be there it's like uh, someone who's getting into like a cult for the first time yeah i just found out about my destiny joey do you want to come to church with me on sunday oh, God. we wear robes and we chant about the power of the monsters you remember that funny joke that i made about wondering about sentences that i said 12 years ago <laughs> that feels fairly accurate uh, to my life um so yeah so but but yugi's just like super stoked on this tournament right and then joey immediately changes his mind about it and decides to to join because he has to like have yugi's back be there with yugi sort of protect yugi and all things uh yeah yugi says that he has to join this tournament to defeat an ancient eagle evil right he has to defeat a giant bird that's rising um I misspoke eagle instead oh. of evil. <laughs> Let me take another sip of my coffee. <laughs> I think you should take a couple more sips. Um, anyway, an a- mm, Yugi is just so excited to enter this tournament because an ancient evil is rising. And right. he has oh. to be the one to defeat it. Oh, boy. And Joey just immediately accept this instantaneously without any hesitation whatsoever. An ancient magical evil? Sure, I need to help my friend Yugi out now. Okay. Yeah, it makes me it makes me feel that like I think I think Joey's friendship with Yugi has really kind of messed him up for life now because he uh, like uh, I don't think he knows how to handle a world without an ancient evil. Yeah. And he, he gets, just he gets super weird when he, Yugi brings up the ancient evil because he gets super like macho. Or he tries to act macho, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join the tournament, and I'm gonna protect Yugi." Hey, uh, and he goes with the power of my red eyes, black dragon. Look at that! And he starts, he starts doing that thing, like you know that, like, like the mus, like the quote unquote muscle beach dudes will do, where they like flex and then they kiss their pecs. Yeah, you know I'm talking about or their their like biceps or whatever. He does that thing, but with red eyes, black dragon. He flexes, shows Red Eyes Black Dragon, and then he kisses the card. And even makes and a thing about it. When they look at him weird, they're like, what's the matter? You've never seen a guy kiss a card? <laughs> and they're like, hey. no, we haven't. He also, turns into this like, I feel like Joey is just so dumb, he doesn't really understand the implications of this like ancient magical evil that's rising. Tay is the only one who's like, the fuck is going on ancient evil this is super dangerous and i'm the only one worried about this and right. he's like oh boy an ancient evil defeating it is my destiny and i can beat it by winning this card game right yeah i feel like i feel like the the guys here maybe not so much tristan but definitely joey and yugi have this like 
distorted relationship with ancient evil at this point where like their only experience so far with ancient evil was that one time they got to take a free cruise to an island and then just like play with their friends on the island for a week and then everything turned out okay and they came back just fine like that was like harry potter book one right and then teo's like oh shit there's like actual ancient evil this is actual bad news and then these guys are like, oh boy, we're going back to magic school. We're going to have lots of fun and play with cards. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Taya's like, no, 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 I read the other six books. Like, <laughs> I know what's up. Taya's like, last time you almost burned to death in an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> I would imagine if she brought that up, though, you would make some sort of excuse. Be like, well, no, that wasn't, that wasn't a tournament, though, is the thing. That wasn't tournament-related. That wasn't even ancient e- evil-related. That was contemporary evil-related. It's a big difference. That, that was wasn't just modern-day evil. But, Taya, that wasn't an officially sanctioned card game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it bothers me, I think, the most that... Joey decides to join the tournament specifically so that he can protect Yugi. Even though like Yugi is is literally the one with magic powers here. But still, that's the most Joey thing that's ever happened. He's like, yeah, we're brothers. I got you back. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That is a very Joey quality. And he, he, he does like, it's a funny scene where he's sort of kissing the red eyes, black dragon. Uh, It's like your, uh, your, your two favorite cards the uh the brothers who protect each other oh yeah yeah um with the fucking uh the lava, swamp and the lava and swamp battle guard yeah yeah they, they our, gotta our protect each other boys who we haven't seen in a while and i think that's just because tristan has decided smartly to just not duel that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah he doesn't uh even get a duel disc in this episode no yeah he doesn't register for the tournament um but they that's the thing that they do next actually is they go downtown or what I'm assuming is downtown. It's sort of like a city area. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the gang goes, this is how I've written in my, in my notes, like a always sunny episode title. The gang goes to sign up for the tournament. Uh, they, they go to this. The gang like, little, defeats uh, an ancient evil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they go to this little, like, um, it looks like a corner store, basically. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what its deal is. This is just like a, a pop-up shop that Kaiba like rented for a month just for this purpose is it, it a looks, game store it it's looks like they hard to tell it looks like they bought like a dry cleaning place yeah and are or just using yeah and are just using the counter as the registration booth basically uh but on the way there uh, Taya and yugi are talking and yugi's like hey thanks so again for taking yami to the museum last episode uh, and sort of like recaps the whole last episode and it's just like, and then you did this thing and then Yami discovered his destiny and then Ishtar told us about uh, this ancient evil that's attacking and why it's my destiny to join this tournament. And they do that thing that like, okay, because it's a television show that happens weekly, let's make sure that everybody's up to speed. Now that there's plot relevant things happening. Uh, I, I did want to point out, it's sort of weird that he's thanking Taya for that when technically he was there the whole time watching i mean it's his body and it was his idea too <laughs> and his like, idea like yeah. he was there like third wheeling the whole time in his own body just right. as a ghost or whatever a soul yeah it's, it's, it's almost, it feels like a weird 
like he should be thanking Taya for for yeah. something, right? But it it feels like he's thanking her for the wrong thing almost. Like, hey, thanks for letting me tag along on your date or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. But uh, the important thing here is like, okay, now that we're all up to speed on the episode, let's remind each other what the stakes are here. Uh, and he he also sort of thinks about okay, one of the rules of this tournament, now that I'm going to go fight this ancient evil at the tournament, one of the rules is that if you lose, uh, you have to give up your rarest card and give it to the winner. And he thinks, well, on the one hand, that's cool, right? Because you'd get super rare cards and you just have a, a, an ultra deck full of rare cards by the end. Yeah, and then like the, the finals or whatever are going to be just insane because everyone's got like the most powerful cards in the game just going head-to-head -head against each other. I'm trying to think of like what the like real world equivalent of that would be like, like I'm picturing like March madness or something like a, or just like a full basketball season where every time one team loses, they have to give their best player, <laughs> their to the best other team. player. <laughs> and so like at the end you have like, this is not even a good comparison. Cause I don't know that many basketball stars. <laughs> it's just LeBron. Yeah, it's just LeBron, basically. Um, and uh, is Steph Curry one of them? Yeah. Yep, that guy. Uh, <laughs> this is a bad. This is a bad idea. I should stick to card games. This is um, a card game podcast and not a sports podcast. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so you you end up with all the most rare cards fighting against each other. Uh, but then he goes, but it also sucks because I put like my heart into my current deck. That and... idea of basketball players, like taking all the best basketball players and forming one team with them is basically the plot to space jam. Oh fuck. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so basically we're building up to the, the the penultimate scene in Space Jam where the Monstars also get the souls of the basketball players. Or no, it's pardon time me, where the, where the Tunes also get the souls of the basketball players. Or rather, where the Tunes get Michael's secret stuff. Yeah. It's time to s -s 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 slam and w w w w welcome to the jam. God. <laughs> Everybody get up. It's time to duel now. We got a real duel going now. Welcome to the space duel. Space duel would be fucking phenomenal. I'm pretty sure that's like wherever they go, like in the next spinoff Yu-Gi-Oh series, it's got to be in space. Yeah, they're I mean, like, like, what have we done? We've gone, we've done uh, school, mm -hmm. uh, motorcycle racing, the circus. The, the future matrix yeah that's brains what do they do for zexel zexel isn't that the one that has zexel has like a, another ancient spirit yeah it's like yeah a more the kid is like one. bonded to a spirit yeah right but, but let me look at it which yes okay. a mysterious spirit astral appears before him and helps him win I know we're going uh, off helps. on a tangent here, but I feel like the way that Zexel does the spirit is much better than the way that this season does the spirit. Well, I have no idea what happens in Zexel, but maybe but they, that can be one of our future bonus episodes. And they probably don't go to space, though, is the thing. So I think I think what we're saying is, yes, 
they do need to do dual monsters in space. I think that's the next logical progression. The only way to go is up. Right. Just, I mean, it's the same lesson that uh, Jason learned in Jason X. It's the same lesson oh, that the shit. Leprechaun learned in Leprechaun 4. They could even go, like, the ancient aliens route and, like, find ancient Egyptian, like, pyramid artifacts on the moon or something. And so they send a team there and, like... Some of the one of the team members is like a kid who's like the intern, and he gets awakened by this ancient power and has to duel monsters on the moon. TM, 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 copyright, 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 copyright. <laughs> Hell yes, I love this series already. I'm super into it. Wait, wait, wait. We need to come up with a stupid name for it. Pardon me. A Yu Gi Oh! series appropriate name. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, where do you go after. 5Ds and Vrains. Vrains. Well, so Vrains is an acronym. Yeah. Uh, so if they're battling aliens on the moon, ancient aliens on the moon. What's Yu-Gi-Oh! like a... Apoapsis. What is that? Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh! Lithosphere. Apoapsis... Uh, as I've learned from playing Kerbal Space Program, is the point in an orbit that is basically the top of the parabola. It is the farthest from uh, the orbiting body that you get. I was okay. I was the periapsis thinking, is the sh- closest part to you. I was to thinking planet. something similar. Uh, what's the opposite of zenith? Azimuth, right? Azimuth. Uh, the Azimuth. nadir. Nadir. That sounds bad, though. Like, this is going to be the worst it show. Does. Zenith would be good. Say that word again. What was the word that you said? Apoapsis? Yeah, I like that. I'm you trying to think apoapsis. of all the, like, space words I know. I got it. What? Yu-Gi-Oh! Delta V. Fuck. That's it. That's it. We did it. <laughs> oh, Delta we did V it. is, like... The amount of basically power you have in your spaceship, the distance it can go. Yeah. Oh, that's in like really meters good. Meters per second. That's Yu-Gi-Oh really good. Yu-Gi-Oh Delta V, and it's like the triangle shape for the Delta. Uh, okay, we need we need a name for the main character. Uh, I <laughs> so you, you I, I listen to this podcast. What? Buzz. Buzz. I think that'd be to, like that'd be the best friend. Yeah, Buzz would be the best friend. Uh, I, I listen to his podcast called Friends at the Table, and somebody uh, did a did a thing where like to figure out your character, your Friends at the Table character name because they have like all sorts of weird character names on that show. Uh, it's the first word of the last place you cried plus the first word of your favorite album. <laughs> So just all sorts of people had like crazy answers, uh, but I'm trying to look up like a. You want a? How about you want a cool space name? Yeah, like Gemini, or Apollo. Ooh, no, it has to be Apollo. It has. Hi, to be. I'm Apollo. Blah blah blah, and I'm the junior intern for blah 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 Domino Space Force, and then Ky- Kaiba Corp official space force. And then all of... It's like whatever Kaiba's version of SpaceX is. Right, right. The the dragon capsule is shaped like a dragon. Of course, naturally, naturally. And then all of the people that Apollo has to duel are named after constellations. 
That would be rad as hell. So he has a duel against, like, Cassiopeia. The Gemini oh. twins. Oh, because so of course good. They and I'm just picturing, like, what I really, really want in a Yu-Gi-Oh series. I want, I want two things. Oh, no, here, here's, here's what I think we should do. I think we should have two main characters, mm-hmm. right? Because I think, A, we need a female lead, finally. Because we have all guy leads, so far as I know. Like, like, yeah. like dude bro leads, basically. So we need Apollo, and we need um, uh, not like, not Aphrodite or something dumb. Ugh. Uh, but like, I'm trying to think of it like a fun nickname for um, like a female space name to match Apollo. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can't do Venus. No, that's a planet. Karina. Like the Karina Nebula. Oh yeah, that's perfect. So Apollo and Karina, or, or do we just do do we just do Apollo and Starbuck? <laughs> no, no. Um, well, see, see, Karina, I feel like is good, but doesn't fit with Apollo. Um, let's see. Let's do. I've got a full like graph of all the like notable constellations there's 88 modern constellations did you know no that seems actually fewer than i expected well you've got your regular ones like virgo and leo and all that along the ecliptic plane Mm -hmm. flat if you're looking out into the galactic core and then like draco and stuff is like way up high boots cygnus Chameleon? Octans! Um, oh, okay. Here we go. Puppus? They could be They could be the Ursa twins. Major and minor? Major and minor. Uh, one, of them is, one of them is actually a major in the military. Uh, but they would be... Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to come up with, like, nicknames... For these, we could do like like loop, uh huh. Instead of lupus, for for the wolf constellation, and Leo, loop and Leo is that too similar? Orion, Fornax. What if what there's if, one what just if called is... Pegasus? It's actually <laughs> you just peg- dual Pegasus again. He's in space now. <laughs> What if it's, what if, what if, uh, mm, so Apollo, what, my boy, so, welcome to my space station. No, no, no. What if it's, what if it's the girl is named after Pegasus and her, she goes by Peggy. Hmm. And we like, get like a, we get like a fifties space aesthetic. Oh, like a, almost like a retro future vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that wouldn't really vibe with the rest of the stuff in the Yu-Gi-Oh verse. That's true. That's true. Uh, Aquarius? Sure. Similar a... similar to uh, uh, one of the drag queens from season 10. Um, Aquaria. Maybe she's got like some uh, some ancient uh, prophecy about her because it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay, so so we have we have uh, two we have twins now, right? So Aquarius mm. and Apollo. 
Apollo. Okay, that's good. I really like that. But here's the main question. And then their best friend, Buzz. And Buzz, yeah. Are you ready for the major question of the series? I'm so ready. What does the main character's hair look like? Oh, my God. Because where do you go after the freaking Vrain's, like, crazy Wolverine claw? Okay, here's the thing. So, one, I think for the duels, the thing about these characters is that their hair actually has to disappear for the most part because they have to wear space suits to, oh, duel, that's true. to duel in the vacuum of space. And I, I think I think they wear not the, like, retro bubble helmet but like uh i'm picturing something more similar to like a bicycle helmet or like um uh like a master chief helmet right okay uh and they're like customized yeah yeah so i think they have like different frills and stuff on them right right exactly so i think apollo what's apollo's like symbol it's the sun is that right yeah, so I think I think Apollo has like a uh, a yellow suit, like a golden suit, right? And the back the back of his head has like a white sun, and then they both have these like um like a bunch of spikes coming out as like communications antenna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I like that. Lots of antennas in this show, I think just in general, lots of antennas. Yeah. And then um, uh, the oh, fuck, why can't I words? Um, the thing that they put around the award names, the leaves. Oh, a laurel. A laurel. Yeah, yeah. So they have laurel leaves uh, painted on the sides of the helmet, and those actually oh, blend that. into where the antennas come out. I like that a lot. So the the antennas kind of come out the back, and then going forward is the laurel. Um, so Apollo has the sun, and then Aquarius. It's not a horse, right? Why am I thinking? <laughs> it's just a regular like kid, and then the other character is just a horse. <laughs> horse in space. Uh oh, Aquarius is like the the zigzag for water, right? So yeah, so it'd be I like don't a, remember. it'd be like a zigzag, a couple of like a double zigzag pattern. Uh but then I think their hair. I'm picturing Apollo has like like a dyed pompadour that like folds back into the helmet like he pushes it back into the helmet and maybe in like some shots you see a little bit of hair sticking out the back so then he takes it off of his and helmet just, and it just goes yeah, yeah yeah so then it well no I guess it would have to be airtight he so would no. die so, so, forget that. so forget that forget that but he ta- but I'm picturing he takes off his helmet and the whole hair just goes poof and like sticks sticks out so it's like it's like a huge it's like it's like what if joey's hair was good and it's like a blonde and black oh uh, or maybe blonde and blue i kind of dig the blonde and black though it fits with all the other wacky hairstyles we have i'm picturing almost like the inverse of of yugi's haircut where where it's got like a big blonde center and then up the sides is like and like up the middle is like black streaks yeah 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 and then uh i don't know i think aquarius would have something like equally weird and ridiculous like one maybe she would have like a long braid and then like her space helmet but also have a long braid of cables naturally that's it that's it right there. 
it, and it's just I don't I don't think Aquarius has ever cut her hair right, and it's to the point where it's starting to become a problem in her helmet. Like everything's got to fit in there. So like mm-hmm. as ridiculous as Apollo looks in that first episode, right? So that first episode of what do we call this again? Yu Gi Oh Delta V. Delta V. Delta V or Delta Five? Because I was wrong Delta about v. Arc V. Delta V. All right, <laughs> that won't be confusing at all with Arc Five. Um, the V stands for velocity. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> Uh, so Delta V, uh, the first episode, we actually don't see the characters' faces for like five, no, more than that, more than half the episode. We don't see their faces because they're wearing the space helmets, right? And it's them in the middle of like a, a space duel and they're tethered to some space station where if they lose the duel, the space station's going to go careening into the sun or something. Uh, and, uh, they win the duel. They get back into the space station. They, you know, sort of correct the course or the space like vessel of some kind. Mm-hmm. They correct the course. They're not going to crash into the sun. It's uh, like 18 minutes into the episode. Finally, they take off their helmets and you see Apollo's hair go poof. And, and you know, you sort of get a, like a close up of the name tag saying his name. And then Aquarius takes off her helmet and it's not a poof. It's a the helmet comes off and this like spiral of a just giant braid just keeps unfurling and unfurling and unfurling as the, as the it just keeps whipping behind her in space. Right. And she like I think she has something in it too. Like she grabs uh she grabs like I don't know, like a card or something and ends up like hiding it in part of the braid so that when she puts her helmet back on, it's like there and safe with her. She hides her deck back there. And then whenever she's ready to duel, she like pulls it out and then her hair goes like spiraling behind her. Oh, see, and that would be a super cool scene in the show, too, where she hits a button on the helmet, and the back of the helmet actually opens like its own little airlock, and the whole braid pops out in space. Cool, but she is also definitely dead. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's a cartoon, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> um, And, I don't know, it's, and they're haunted by a nanobots. ghost. And they're, they're, yeah. some, somebody's ghost appears. I feel like the first episode we do hear Kaiba, but yeah, only naturally. over the radio because it's right. his space program. And then he's like, quit screwing around and falling into the sun. Don't waste my property. I'm sending you to the moon. I We just picked up these scans that show ancient Egyptian artifacts and pyramids or whatever. Uh, go check it out. And that's when the plot kicks off. Plot twist. Not plot twist, but a twist. It's, it is a Kaiba but it's Seto Kaiba's grandson. Whoa. I like it. And he's just as much of an asshole. <laughs> right. He's he's exactly the same, played by the same voice actor. Uh, but he's, he's the grandson instead. We do get to see, at some point in the series, Mokuba as an old man. Try, trying to, like, rein in his, his young nephew. That would be really good. Oh, I love that. His his grand his grand nephew. Please so stop it, being such. No, let's see. What would his voice sound like? Please stop being such an asshole. It's me, Mokuba. So I'm picturing I'm my picturing big like, brother. Like I'm picturing the Kaiba <laughs> character is essentially um uh is it Iroh from uh, Legend of Korra, Zuko's uh kid. Oh yeah, where it's played by the same voice actor as Zuko. Uh, but then actually having a relationship with Iroh, <laughs> like Iroh <laughs> Senior, rather. Iroh the Elder. 
Man. So it'd be it'd be Kaiba and then Mokuba the Elder. I like this show. Why isn't this a thing? Why isn't this a thing? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead Yu-Gi-Oh. and call it right now. Uh, Cephas Kaiba. Damn, that's cool. That's such an anime name, Cephas Kaiba. Yu-Gi-Oh Delta V. Everyone, check your listings. Coming this summer to Cartoon Network. Yeah. Hey, four kids, call us. <laughs> uh, all right. Should we talk about the show that we actually now that we've gotten completely out of control? <laughs> Jimmy, we are forty-two minutes into this recording. <laughs> we Honestly, not... we've described one scene. <laughs> worth it. Definitely for Yu-Gi-Oh worth it. Delta V. I'm so excited for Delta V. <laughs> uh okay so they go to sign up um they uh approach the counter it's this guy in like a yellow beanie who i i want to say we've seen before like he looks like one of the background characters from the um the dual uh the dungeon dice monsters episode oh do you remember that do you remember it was there was a guy that you took a screenshot of actually that was just like the super skinny guy with a bandana you think that's the same guy? I don't think he looks terribly similar. I think it's maybe just the bandana that is throwing me off, but he's wearing this yellow bandana and like these big old like Coke bottle glasses. Yeah, you can't see his eyes at all. And uh, he uh, <laughs> he has a line. His line when they first enter is a thing. This guy that... is the weirdest guy, and he has a very familiar sounding voice, though. He does. He sounds, and I haven't looked this up, he sounds exactly like Pegasus. <laughs> like the same voice actor, not the same yeah. character. No, no, no. Unfortunately. I, I miss Pegasus. Oh, that would, that would have been such an amazing twist. Like he pulls off like a mask and like undoes his hair and takes his glasses off. Mm, Yugi boy, you've fallen into my trap. This right, is going exactly. exactly how we planned. That would have been a much better twist than the twist that they pull here in a second. But yeah, but his line is, and if I if I ever own my own store or something, I want to greet everyone that comes <laughs> into the store with this line. Do you want to read it? I don't even remember what his voice sounds like, but it's, my young friends, you have entered into the correct place. Yeah, just picture, it's Pegasus, but just a little bit creepier. Yeah. And, he goes, and it's ah, not, so, hello. it's not full ham in the accent. Right, he's not, mm, Yugi boy. Ah, oh, my young friends, you have entered into the correct place. It's kind of uh, that, but like, at maybe 10, 20%. Right. Uh, see, I can only go full Pegasus. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, they're like, Hey, you just we're just went full to... Pegasus. Never go full Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, Hey, we're here to enter the tournament. And he goes, okay, cool. Uh, but first I have to see if you qualify, like if you are qualified to duel, uh, and Yugi just goes, okay, I'm Yugi Moto. Like in that tone. <laughs> Hi, it's me. The literal, me. <laughs> the literal king of games and sworn rival of the tournament organizer. Maybe the... you recognize me. And the dude fucking Googles it. Yeah. <laughs> he types Yugi's name into the computer. The database. And, and it turns out, so he explains, that Kaiba has gone to great lengths to learn everything about every duelist and all of the cards in their deck. And he has this database now that has ranked every duelist in the world with a star rating. So I think it's, what, five, one, one to five stars. Yeah. Maybe zero to five. If you have five stars, you're amazing. If you're one star, you're shit. Right. 
Which... Last week, Kaiba accidentally invented hard-like holodeck weapons. This week, he accidentally invented the Chinese social credit system. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Shit. Uh, it's such a narrow margin, I think, the 1 to 5 thing. I really don't like Like, maybe a 1 to 10, maybe a 1 out of 100. Who knows? Uh, it's not but... granular enough for you? No, it's not, because it's like, what's the difference between a 4 and a 5, really? Can you embarrass Kaiba in front of the world? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, fair. Uh, so so he, he looks up Yugi and he goes, oh, yeah, you're a five-star duelist. Like, you're the best uh, duelist that there is. You're the, the highest rating that there is, anyway. And um, and then he goes, okay, cool. Here is your dual disc for registering. Yeah, he turns Answering... his giant CRT monitor around, uh, and it shows, like, the picture of the duelist that he obtained somehow, and, like, mm-hmm. their rating in stars, and the rarest card they've ever played in a duel. And it shows That's Dark right. Magician here. And not Exodia, the card that's so rare that only Yugi has ever played it. I have some feelings about Exodia that we're going to talk about later. (laughs) The card that Yugi personally used to defeat Kaiba, that's not the rarest card that he has? Right. Has ever used in a duel? Yeah. yeah. I have some feelings that we're going to talk about later. But it is Dark Magician. Which, I mean, it's, it's Yugi, though, is the thing. So, like, if we're going to talk about what's a card that Yugi sort of identifies with, uh, uses all the time, it's going to be Dark Magician. I yeah. actually, It's not I actually, the rarest card, though. That Yugi owns? I don't think so. What would be, what would be more rare? Because he hasn't fucking... had Exodia in his deck. Not in a while, but that's not the, the qualification. The qualification is the rarest card you've ever played in a duel, which would be Exodia. Oh, I don't see people beating down the door to get Dark Magician. No, that's the thing. I don't know, but so like I, I was it's his this... signature card, sure, but it is. Yeah, that's a okay. Let's circle back around to this because I have some thoughts about it. We'll get to. Um, it. But I, I was watching this episode with Lauren, uh, and she has not watched Yu-Gi-Oh with me in a while. <laughs> and she she looks over at the screen when this scene's happening. She goes, "Oh yeah, Dark Magician. He plays that one all the time." that was like the one thing that she'd retained from Yu-Gi-Oh episodes uh and uh so yeah so Yu-Gi registers he gets a dual disc he's like wow cool I will say the dual disc box is really good packaging yeah it's just a line art picture of the dual disc on the side it's like no text or anything it's so good uh so Joey goes up and he, he it looks like something you'd see in like Toys R Us or something. But I'm probably yeah. thinking of actual dual discs that are available in toy stores that I saw right. as a kid. But not at Toys R Us anymore. Nope. RIP. We have a toy store here that looks similar to Toys R Us called Sm- Smiths? Smiths. 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 S-M-Y-T-H. Welcome to Smith's. Would you like a dual disc system? Kind and of at way? first I thought that I was the weird one because I couldn't figure out how to pronounce it. And then I've heard like people who are definitely from here talk about it just like very loudly being like, I can never remember if it's Smith's or Smythe's. <laughs> so apparently that's just a thing here too, is to not remember the name of a shop, which seems like a bad advertising move. Yeah. Can't pronounce us. Uh, so Joey goes up. And he goes to register, and he's like, I'm Joey Wheeler, number two with the Duelist Kingdom. 
And the guy's like, all right, whatever. Let me fucking Google you here. And he looks up Joey, and Joey has a one-star ranking, which is the lowest ranking. So he cannot enter. Uh, and uh, Joey freaks out, and he's like, wait, what? How is that possible? Like, I was number two at Duelist Kingdom, which was the biggest tournament like of the year so far. Like, how... How could I be number one while Yugi, who got admittedly, you know, one rank ahead of me in that tournament is five. Like I should at least be like a three or something. Right. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely qualified. Like I've proven that. Uh, and he, they like go to leave or something. They, they, they're essentially trying to restrain Joey from just like punching the computer. Yeah. He's having a, a freaking aneurysm. I think uh, Tristan at one point says he's going to burst a blood vessel because he's just like <laughs> cartoon raging. Joey Joey has some some issues with rage. I think we've discussed <laughs> some anger um, issues. But so then the they're the dragging sign-up. him out the door. Yeah, they're like they're like leaving. And then the sign up guy notices that Joey owns the red eyes because that's listed on the page as well. So that's Joey's most rare card. And he's like, oh, that's actually a super valuable card that we want. Let's take advantage of this fucking noob and put him in the tournament and, like, get him out real quick so that we can have the the red eyes. And so he just ch- goes into the results, which I guess is just an editable spreadsheet usable all, by any rando. Right. All this work that Kaiba put in to building a robust database with good information. Uh, it's just a Google Doc. Right. <laughs> just delete it's, one and type in four. <laughs> it's like it's like if you wanted to put together like again, I'm struggling to think of like real world equivalents, but if you wanted to put together just like the most accurate database of something ever and you spend years and millions of dollars like putting together here is the truth, right? Here is the real information about every person. And then you like put it on Wikipedia. This reminds me of a story actually where some guy wanted to get backstage to meet his favorite band at a concert they were doing. So he just went on Wikipedia, put in himself as like a relative of the lead singer or whatever and showed it to the security guards and they let him in. I mean, that's fucking brilliant is the thing. And then like they actually hung out a little bit and then the, the, singer of the band was like ah you absolute legend you you fooled everyone uh you cheeky bastard but seeing that's how you become an actual legend yeah by becoming a fake legend first by lying on wikipedia see now i want to do that with i want to make a wikipedia page for this podcast and be like they have two million viewers (laughs) or whatever (laughs) that's how we got the mcelroys to guess on the show (laughs) Uh, so anyway, so he edits the star rating. So Joey has four stars now and Joey gets a dual disc. Uh, and they go to leave and the guy opens his like flip phone, his giant nineties beige flip phone that has like the antenna that you have to pull out. Right. And And oh shit, he's a rare hunter. Right. He's like, put the, get, there's a red eyes coming out of the store right now. Send out the rare hunters. He just calls in a hit on Joey. Right. Well, and this was the thing that, that Lauren pointed out, too. The thing that he says is like, uh, yes, send the rare hunters. The boy with the red eyes just left. 
And Lauren was like, wait a second, how do they know who the boy with the red eyes is if this dude just learned about it like 30 seconds ago? Like, you can't be that cryptic, huh. right? If yeah. if the guy only just realized, like, oh, this kid has a red-eyes black dragon, and, like, uh, doesn't... Can you give us a, a better description of this kid, or uh, what? Right, like, do you have a name? <laughs> <laughs> like, What does he, he look, look like? like? What's he wearing? Oh, you know, he's got a, a, a red-eyes black dragon. Where did he go? <laughs> you know, like... Where did he come uh, from, Cotton Eye Joe? Right, but, you know, again, like, this whole thing is, is coming back to Kaiba's... Uh, Cotton Eye fucking... Joey. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> this whole thing is circling back to Kaiba's, like, fucking Skynet uh, surveillance system that he is apparently given the Rare Hunters access to. So maybe they can just, like, instantly look up any information they need, including c- description and current location of any duelist ever. I guess so. I mean, they do have... Oh shit, Kaiba does have that targeting tracking system embedded in all the dual disks. And Joey just got a dual disk. Is that what that is? Is that. Yeah, that's what the satellites were for. They track every single dual disk in the world. And that's how Kaiba is keeping track of all these these duels and whatever's going on. Kaiba essentially has given them the Marauders map for duelists. Basically. Shit. Kaiba has just infinite amounts of power kaiba is uh mark zuckerberging the Yu-Gi-Oh world see i'm so <laughs> i've been trying <laughs> that, that that moment of silence was for the joke that i can't i can't come up with because i'm actually very angry about mark zuckerberg um so does this mean that that Kaiba is going to just sell all this information later to to pay for his uh, outlandish experiments? I mean, probably, either him or one of his board members will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so later that night, um, Joey uh, sort of splits off from the group uh, to he's going to spend the night at the hospital with Serenity because Serenity's eye operation is tomorrow and she's scared about it. Um, he leaves, Tristan kind of catches up the group about the situation with Joey's mom. Um, he's, he's sort of like worried for Joey because he hasn't actually spoken to, uh, or Joey hasn't actually spoken to his mom in like seven years, it turns out, because it was his mom's decision to like split the kids up, which, eh, kind of sucks. Yeah, this um, is some surprisingly tragic family dynamics for Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, I, I'm glad that they have like a depiction of divorce in the show, it it further complicates matters that it's like divorce plus separating the kids, which I feel like you you see less. Typically it's like, Oh, one of just one of the parents is sort of estranged now. Um, Well, we've seen, as we saw in season zero, his dad is like an abusive alcoholic. So I can't really blame him. Blame. Oh yeah. 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 But why would you leave one kid there? Right, right. Yeah, why would you leave your least favorite kid with <laughs> with the terrible parent, right? Maybe that's why. He's Ooh. the least favorite. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Uh Joey we cut to Joey sort of running to the hospital. Like I don't know, I don't know why he's he's like jogging, I guess. Yeah. Through um, these back alley streets. As he does, you know, it's a Joey. Where else is he going to jog? A park? No. 
Uh, Domino City a, has lots of like creepy dark alleyways and like abandoned warehouses. But hey, he's a tough guy. He's jogging here. <laughs> Uh, he, he runs specifically while this like cool music plays that we've never heard in the show before. And I don't know if we hear it again. It's like a fucking like Paul Oakenfold album where it's just this like sort of like upbeat, like almost dubstep kind of like running music. Yeah. It's very like cool nineties kid on the move. I really yeah, just did a little joking. dance that our listeners will never be able to see. Tyler, I appreciate your little dance. Thanks. Which only I can see. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So he's he runs into <laughs> this is so, this is maybe the most ridiculous part of the episode. He he yeah. encounters in a dark alley three people who can only be described as incredibly culty, <laughs> literal capes and like veils and like chains like across their chest. Yeah, the the over the front of... eye motif. Yeah, on their foreheads. All th- three. Three people dressed like cultists standing in an alleyway blocking Joey's path. And he's like, excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, And they uh, they they block him and introduce themselves as uh, the rare the the rare rangers, the rare hunters. The rural jurors. (laughs) The rural jurors. The rare hunters. Uh, And they. They. challenge uh joey to a duel uh in order to let him pass and they say that they're going to play by the duel or the battle city tournament rules wherein they each have to bet their rarest card and uh the loser has to give the rarest card to the winner that way they get his red eyes and like oh no go ahead joey doesn't have to do this the tournament hasn't started yet he could just run in the other direction yeah, that's that's. He's on his one, way right? to his like his sister who needs him, who's about to have eye surgery tomorrow. He doesn't have. He doesn't need to stop in every, and like is this what is this Pokemon? You have to stop every time you make eye contact with some random asshole. Right. And the tournament them. hasn't started yet. He he's hasn't on, even he... like opened his his shiny new toy, his right. dual disc system. And there's just like three creepy cultists in the middle of an alleyway and you're going to stop what you're doing and play card games with them? Yeah, that makes sense, Joey. That's no, a good come on. decision. Also, uh, why are these guys so dedicated to ter- playing a game by tournament rules when they're three thugs in an alleyway when they could just <laughs> whack him in the knee with a baseball bat thing. and take his cards? Yeah, like, like as we see later on, these guys are not opposed to using physical force to get what they need. Like... It's three dude, like full grown men. Yeah, but only after one little boy. Only after they play the games is important. I guess. I mean, everybody needs a needs to live by a code, right? Yeah, it's like uh, in poke, like again in Pokemon, when you're infiltrating Team Rocket's base, and there's like all these like professional mafia hitmen who see this kid walking around their base, and they're like, "Hey, kid, you can't be here!" And you beat them in a Pokemon battle, and they're like, "Oh, dang it." Uh, okay, here's some money. Yeah. Bye. Like, yeah right. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> it, um, yeah. It, like, I don't know. Like, one of these guys owns a knife, right? Like, these guys are evil, but they're here, definitely but they have... the lawful most side of lawful evil. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of really of putting it. They're they're not chaotic at all. Uh, it. Hmm. Also, the main guy's voice is like my favorite voice of this whole episode. It is a really good voice. How did you describe it? You had a note in here about it somewhere. <laughs> he sounds like a he runs a novelty popcorn store in the south. Yes. Uh, yes welcome. <laughs> Welcome to my rare card emporium. Step right up, folks, and we will duel you in a battle. It also the the other thing that I wanted to point out here is he he has that voice, a number one. I'm and, Orville Redenbacher. And he talks about Joey's blue eyes red dragon. They only say or pardon me, blue eyes red dragon, uh red eyes black dragon. They only say red eyes. And it makes it sound like Joey's physical human eyes are red like he has bloodshot eyes or something <laughs> and then we're gonna take his red eyes for your sister's surgery right like <laughs> no that's not i don't know uh but anyway so we we get a brief cutaway to the hospital where serenity is worried about the operation uh the mom is like serenity what's wrong and it's like i don't know mom maybe it's the fact that she's having eyeball surgery tomorrow and her brother is not here when he should be Right, like, yeah, she explains <laughs> that Joey room, is supposed lady. to be here. Um, and then, so uh, their mom didn't even know that Joey was coming. Um, and she calls him Joseph, which is a weird... <laughs> Joseph's coming? It's it, it's a weird sentence to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever called him Joseph before. Right. Uh, but that's a, it's just kind of like a brief cutaway. And then we cut back to the duel. I do want to point out, Joey must get his hair from his dad's side of the family because both his mom and his sister have pretty normal-looking hair. Yeah, like, and they're both they're both brunettes, right? Yeah. For anime characters, this is, like, really... They, they're just, like, almost like background characters and what their hair looks like. Yeah. It's not anime hair. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, it's... it's yeah, it is it is background character hair, I think is the best way to put it. Um, but you know, who knows? We, like, we haven't met Joey's dad in this, uh, in this season, in this series, in rather. This canon. We, we didn't, didn't even really see him in, in series zero. No. Uh, but maybe he just has like epic anime hair. Right. <laughs> and that's where it all comes from. It's like two feet out. Right. Uh, <laughs> does that work genetically to... in terms of blonde versus come from... brunette? I think it's supposed to come from the mother's side is what I remember hearing. Isn't, I thought uh, brown hair was uh, uh, the, the stronger trait. and The blonde, dominant gene? Yeah. I'm not sure. And blonde was a recessive? I don't know. If anyone can tell us more about the genetics of anime hairstyles, uh, <laughs> uh, give, drop us a line at youactivatedmypodcast.gmail.com. Yeah, then explain Yugi's hair. Because that's what I want to know oh, about. God. Well, no. So Grandpa has... He got it from Grandpa. He for sure got it from Grandpa. Right. What I want to know is how the hell like that bright purple color got into Which, I genetics. mean, it would, see, in that case, it makes more sense because Grandpa is Yugi's maternal grandfather, which is supposedly where it comes from, from what I've heard. So that part makes sense. Yugi, or Joey, I don't know. What I want to know is what kind of product does Tristan put in his hair to get that fucking <laughs> spike every day? I, I have a note about his hair later. We'll, we can talk about it then. Uh, we cut back to the duel, and I added a bunch of notes about the duel because I I wanted to like 
get some of the detail in here because this is our first duel with uh, a, a rare hunter. So we don't get this guy's name, I don't think, but he literally calls himself the Predator. <laughs> okay, you weeb. <laughs> uh, and and he, he says it in a lot of weird ways kind of throughout the duel, but I'll go over it briefly because I know we're kind of running long here. Um, Joey starts the duel by playing Panther Warrior, uh, and the Predator, quote-unquote, plays a card face down. Uh, and then Joey uh, plays a card called Scapegoat, which this is the first time we've seen Scapegoat. Uh, Scapegoat's a really interesting card because it's pretty much only good for sacrificing. It gives you effectively four different monsters, four separate monsters that have zero attack uh, and like can't do jack shit. So they're basically only there to sacrifice several times. So they're super to, cute though. They're, they're super like cute. Sleepy little puffball sheep. They look like, and they're in four different colors too. So they look yeah. like, um, cotton candy. they look like, uh, cotton candy. Well, yes. Uh, but they look like Neopets. Yeah. They're like sort of, sort of like orby and like weird colors. Um, but the the reason that he plays scapegoat is because in order for Panther Warrior to attack, like I was what two three weeks ago, we talked about Panther Warrior for the monster bracket. I don't remember. Uh, in order for Panther Warrior to attack, you have to sacrifice a monster. So he sacrifices one of the scapegoats so that Panther Warrior can attack, which kills the rare hunter's face down card. The rare hunter plays Graceful Charity, uh, which is a card that lets him draw three new cards. Uh, and he goes, my deck is full of surprises and soon I'll be adding your red eyes to my collection. <laughs> like he's fucking, uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey or something. Uh, and, uh, Joey plays, um, alligator sword, which is, a, a I think another card we've talked about. I think so. Um, and it's then he dumb. sacrifices it's an alligator with a sword, right? It's... Not a sword made out of alligator as the card suggests. Um, he sacrifices another scapegoat so the Panther Warrior can attack again. Um, Alligator Sword can now attack his life points directly. Uh, Joey says it in a weird way, though. He goes, since you mentioned talking like playing by tournament rules, we're going to play by my favorite tournament rule, which is when you don't have any monsters on your side of the field, I can attack your life points directly, which is like always been a rule. Yeah, if your opponent is completely unarmed... You can but he talks about it like them. it's a he talks about it like it's a new thing. Maybe he, he's just learning about it. Maybe that's why he was only number two <laughs> at Duelist Kingdom. Uh, but so Alligator Sword attacks the life points directly, and uh, we we get kind of an answer to a question that you had last game, which is like with this new like weird hard light hologram thing, like. Do they experience actual pain? And it seems like it because we get kind of an ex like a particle explosion, kind of like how in episode one where Exodia uh, obliterated Kaiba and he's like, ah, uh, kind of the same thing, except it's like more particle effects. But he screams as he's like holographic particles, like blow past him and send his cape flying and apparently like pierce his flesh. I don't know. Yeah, it's really hard to determine. Like, I, I would imagine it's sort of similar to, like, what we saw in the last episode, where it's maybe more of, like, an electrical kind of thing. Like, maybe he just gets, like, a shock. Is he getting, like, particles shot through him? I think he might be. 
Is this like this guy tomorrow is going to be like uh, the first scene of Chernobyl where the guy looks directly into the open nuclear reactor and just immediately gets horribly sunburned? Yeah. And you know that guy is going to die horribly in like a week. I mean, either way, like, I, I really feel like Battle City is just going to be a hotbed for weird cancerous, <laughs> like, outbreaks. Testing new weird weapon systems. Right. So, okay, so so he does that attack. Uh, and then the Rare Hunter plays Graceful Charity again. He has a second Graceful Charity card to draw three more cards. And he goes, a good hunter must acquire strong hounds to replace the weak ones. <laughs> is that how hunting works? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you have I to get know. rid of your 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 weak hounds uh you have no idea <laughs> uh joey sort of remembers the rule about tribute summoning uh because we finally have that in the show and he sacrifices uh the panther warrior and uh alligator sword to summon red eyes black dragon uh, and he's like, yeah, the moment you've all been waiting for. My most powerful card. You got it now. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> oh, Lord, he's coming. Uh, and it's uh, it's Red-Eyes Black Dragon. He summons Red-Eyes Black Dragon. Um, the, the rare hunter then replies, foolish boy, I have been leading you through this hunt, waiting to pounce. <laughs> he's just getting more and more like Colonel Sanders or something. He is. He is. Boy, I said boy. <laughs> Uh, Red eyes, black dragon. It's finger looking good. I did have a note here about their dialogue and just that it feels really strange because the rare hunter phrases things in a strange way. Like he does. He sort of, he, he structures his sentences in circles almost like he starts and ends every sentence with something about the hunt, right? Like, yeah, he is fully LARPing this yeah. persona. Uh, and so it's his turn, and he plays five cards <laughs> simultaneously. Yeah, he's and like, oh, <laughs> you, you, you think your red eyes is so hot? Well, check this shit out. All right, all right, all right. Uh, he plays five. <laughs> I still can't get over this fucking scene. He plays five cards, and they are the five parts of Exodia. Oh, shit! What? He just straight <laughs> up summons Exodia. It was literally this moment where I like I had to pause and be like, wait a second. Is this is this a real thing that's... Ha-? Like, this is the most, like, bewildered I have ever been by this show, right? And it's not a major episode. This... We could... We could do without this episode, honestly. Like, but what the fuck... <laughs> What just happened here? He plays Exodia, and Exodia obliterates, right? Because that's all Exodia can do. Yeah. And I, I had to, I had to like turn and explain it to Lauren. Like literally, the text on Exodia is: if you play all five cards, you win. Yeah, it's insta win. Uh, and she was like, "Well, why couldn't he have just played those from the beginning?" And I'm like, "I don't fucking know." <laughs> uh, so. He wins the duel. That's why he had so many graceful charities. His whole deck is just a mill deck until you can get Exodia. Right, which is an amazing way to play it. Uh, and there's a there's actually a magic deck that's kind of similar. That um, It wasn't the latest Grand Prix. It was the Grand Prix, Magic the Gathering Grand Prix Montreal, like two years ago, I want to say. It was like one of the only Grand Prix that I've ever like watched live. And there was a a, a, a a duelist, I don't know, a a, a a participant 
who had a gate deck. Uh, it was like the seven gates or something. And it's a very similar thing where if you have these seven cards out on the field at any time, you win. And it was such a crazy thing to watch because his whole deck was just built on like discarding cards and drawing cards and like just barely staying alive long enough. And it got to the point where he was like, I think three points away from losing, right? Like he had three health left. And the other duelist is just like frantically trying. He's got like a like a green deck or something. Oh, and he's just like frantically trying to play cards like as much as possible to build up monsters to like actually attack. And this dude keeps like nope, counter spell, counter spell, counter. Like it's a, it's a it's a blue mill deck, right? So it's like nope, you can't play that. You can't play that. I draw three cards. Nope, you can't play that. You discard a card. I draw three cards. Like, and just the announcers throughout the whole game slowly being like. I don't know if he's got much chance in this to like, oh shit, is he, is he doing it? Oh fuck, is this gonna work? <laughs> and, just, and he ended up winning. He ended up winning the round because he he just got all seven gates out. And the the announcers going, what the f- what? That's not you. You're not supposed to be able to do that. Right? Like they go into it being like, I have no idea how this is gonna work in a tournament setting. Like this does not seem like a smart idea. <laughs> uh, but anyway. So he plays Exodia, and uh, if if he plays Exodia, yeah, that at full stop. Uh, Exodia happens. The end. If we thought that the rare hunter experienced pain while alligator sword attacked, I can only imagine the kind of pain that Joey experiences in this moment as he literally gets obliterated. His mind would have to break. As far as like Joey knows, and as we the audience know, the only known copy of Exodia just got chucked into the ocean. On the way to Duelist Kingdom. Didn't he recover that, though? I mean, probably, but it's probably, like, completely waterlogged and unusable. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's why it hasn't been in Yugi's deck. So, like... Like, the whole yeah. thing about uh, Exodia is that no one has ever been able to summon Exodia. Right! That's the thing. And that's why Kaiba is so impressed in uh, in episode one, where he's like... Oh, yeah, I know Exodia. Everyone knows Exodia, but nobody's ever been able to play Exodia. You literally cannot get the cards out in time. And here's an this urban guy just, legend. Just did it. He just did it like it was nothing. Yeah, and, and then Joey is like lying there on the ground like, what the fuck? You just played Exodia. And the dude is like, oh, yeah. Uh, and then he like pulls out his hand and he's got like three Exodias. Right. He goes, that's the whole thing about Rare Hunters. We track down rare cards. So I have three copies of exodia right i could have played exodia at any time so why the hell are these guys going after a friggin shitty ass red eyes black dragon when they have like four exodias right that's the thing i mean i I don't know like it's it's their job or whatever right but like like what the i don't know what the fuck are they even doing here yeah like they it's like Giovanni of Team Rocket in Pokemon who has, like, Mewtwo and, like, a talking Meowth. And he's like, I want that Pikachu. It's like, right. what's the point, dude? There's none. There's no point. So, uh, the <laughs> so they have another funny scene where uh, the Rare Hunter is like, ah, the thrill of the hunt. Uh, and the two other Rare Hunters that are there go to take the Red Eyes by force. 
And he says something along the lines of like, we like to take our cards by force. And Joey goes, no, you don't have to do that. Like, I'll just hand it to you. And they go, no, I think we do. (laughs) He's like, no, I'll give it to you. I'll get it. Hold on. No, no, we'll use force. (laughs) Please, I want to beat up a teenager. I want to use force. And so they do. They fucking, they beat him up. Yeah, the guy just like punches him like halfway down the alley. Yeah, it's shitty. (laughs) But Uh, like, finally... We see some just straight up honest cheating in this show. There's no magic cheating. It's not like using perfumes on your cards to pretend you're psychic. There's no, I don't, there's no like stacking your deck. It's just this guy just straight up has a shit ton of exodias that he probably stole from some kid. Right, exactly. It is, it is akin to the reason that I can act like I can't actually get into playing the real card game even though it's super popular here, like more so than in Portland. um, The reason I can't get into playing it is because there's always that one kid who just like has rich parents and spends all his allowance money on Yu-Gi-Oh! Because that's his only expense in life. And just as a result, has all the rare cards and keeps them in his deck at all times. (laughs) This guy just has straight up a bunch of Exodias. Right. I... It's, I mean, it's a good strategy, right? I feel like this is a trope I've seen before in like a bunch of media where like the first season, there's this unconquerable thing or like object or power that like only one person has. And then like the next season, they need to kick it up a notch. So like everyone's running around with these things. I mean, it's kind of similar to like D and D in a way, right? I guess, like, yeah. like you start D and D at level one, and the fighter is cool because the fighter can take a second action in combat, right? Like once once per day or whatever, they can they can attack twice, and it's so cool when they do it. But then by like level six, everybody's got a second attack. All the monsters are attacking like three or four times a turn. Like it, it's less special at that point. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of the thing of the show, right? Like, you have to keep kind of upping the ante. The escalation. And this show started with a pretty big ante is the thing. (laughs) Instant win if you play these cards. Right. So, I don't know. So, I I guess it makes some kind of sense. But the next morning, uh, Serenity is, is still kind of scared of having the operation. And now, like, doubly worried because Joey wasn't there when he said he would be there. And hasn't been heard from. All night. Right, right, exactly. So she's kind of like... Oh, one yeah. last note. If they mm. were so keen on taking the red eyes by force, why didn't they do that in the first place? I, literally, literally the question I was asking the whole episode. Who fucking knows, right? Like, it, I think it is, like you were saying, like the Team Rocket sort of like honor among, <laughs> honor among duelists, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I genuinely don't know. Like, why? Why not just give every member of Team Rocket a gun? <laughs> gun, I choose you. Right, gun, I, like, use shoot. <laughs> I I did a I did a short comic that I don't think I ever actually published anywhere. I think I still have it in a notebook. But I did like a like a, a Pikachu twenty years later sort of thing, where uh. It ended up being that Red from the Pokemon series uh, was just like straight up shot by Giovanni, <laughs> uh, and uh, and then like Pikachu kind of like has to like live with that separation and like he 
it was so dumb. He, uh, it, it, it was sort of a detective Pikachu thing in a way, I, I guess, except I did it like four years ago now. Um, but he like goes to the, he like starts going to the gym every day, like the gym quote unquote, and like works out and he becomes this like big buff, like anthropomorphized Pikachu basically. <laughs> like he, he's, he's like the, like the Mr. Incredible of Pikachus. I think you may have shown me this at I, one I'm, point. I might have, but the thing is, is like after enough separation from being a, a, like a battling Pokemon, he just like settles down and like gets married and has a kid and gets an office job or whatever. And then um, I forget exactly how it comes up. I want to say it's like Squirtle or something like a, like a team Squirtle comes to him and is like, Hey, like Giovanni and Gary are like back at their old shit or something. And the one person who can like help out is this Pikachu who's, who's sort of retired from the battling industry. We're getting the band back together. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting too old for this shit. Pikachu. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um and then it's and then it's essentially what if Pikachu were um oh, I'm going to forget the name of this Pokémon now and I'm really disappointed. The one that's in Smash Bros, that's like the wrestling cat. Oh, uh Incineroar. Incineroar. Yeah, yeah. It's it's essentially like what if Pikachu was Incineroar, so it's like Pikachu doing fucking wrestling moves. It was really good, except I just, I don't think you didn't that do highly of my it. own, my own work. So <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, Serenity. Folks, if you like, think Tyler should publish this comic on his website, get in touch with us on Twitter or I'd have, Instagram. I'd have to, I'd have to fucking find <laughs> it is the thing. Maybe I'll remake it. Who knows? Folks, if you want Tyler to clean his room and find his old notebooks, get in touch with us on Twitter. No, that's, that's the thing, Jimmy, is I would have to, I would have to clean like the the attic that all our stuff is in in america <laughs> oh yeah folks if you want tyler to come visit me and go clean his attic <laughs> that all his boxes and shit are in <laughs> get in touch with us on twitter there we go there it is uh see that's 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 what we got to do to raise money right <laughs> put a put a gofundme for it to make you come to <laughs> america no, but see now I gotta now I gotta do storyboards for uh, Delta V. That's true. That that takes priority. Uh okay. Anyway. Anyway. Serenity Serenity is scared of having the operation. She bars herself in the hospital room. She barricades uh, the hospital door for some reason, or I don't know how she, she does it. I'm pretty she sure like, she basically like locks the door. Is that something you can do in hospital rooms? Uh, I don't think so. I, I feel like. That's not something you can do for this exact reason. Yeah, I feel like it's a bad idea. Um, but so Mrs. Wheeler calls Yugi uh, to tell Yugi that Joey's missing. I don't know how she had Yugi's number. Yeah, this is the first time she's ever shown up in her kid's life, but right. she happened to has she happens to have Yugi's number somehow. Right. Maybe that's what Joey gives out as his contact number, like emergency contact. Well, yeah, because he doesn't want, like, his dad to pick up the phone, so he just tells everybody to call the game store, because he's probably going to be there anyway. Aw. Right, though? Joey has a sad life. That's why Joey puts so much effort into, like, being Yugi's friend, is that Yugi is the one person who cares about him. Yeah. I just want Joey to be happy. Poor Joey. Now I feel bad for Joey. So, so, uh, Yugi, uh, like, calls Taya and Tristan, and they all go and split up, uh, to find Joey. Tristan apparently has a motorcycle. Yeah. He's like, like a, yeah, I just got the bike fixed up. 
And they say what they bike? say bike. They they don't ever say motorcycle. They say bike. But it is like it's like a Harley Davidson is yeah. the thing. Uh and he like puts his helmet on and <laughs> goes and like rides around town to, going to find Joey. I don't know how the hell he does that with his hair because he takes off his helmet and oh, his yeah. hair is just like that perfect point. And then he puts the helmet back on. It's it's the same gel that Apollo uses in uh, Delta V. <laughs> the inside of the helmet has like a little Play-Doh uh, mold where his hair fits into it. And that's how he does his hair. He puts it yeah, yeah, yeah. in the it's, helmet. It's an extra dimensional pocket specifically for hair. <laughs> it's shaped exactly like how he wants his hair to look. <laughs> That'd be it. I mean, you know, for how rigid his hair is, that would make sense. He's he sort of always got helmet hair. It's just very shaped. <laughs> uh, so they go around searching for a while. We get this like kind of fun montage of Yugi sort of running through different parts of town. Um, and after a while, Tristan rides his motorcycle past Yugi and Taya just at fucking top speed, just careening past. And he yells, look who I found. And we literally can't see who he found because he rides off too quickly and it just looks like it's only him on the motorcycle. Yeah, we assume it's Joey and we would be right, but... It, well, no, it, yeah. and it is because they, yeah. they get to the hospital and Joey goes to the hospital room and like... Also, Yugi and Taya were at like a military airfield for some reason. Yeah, where were they? They were in front of like this whole row of like... Quonset huts with giant numbers painted on the fronts, just stretching along the road in two directions. Like, really where the hell wanted, were they? I really wanted, like, a cutaway shot here. They were in like, Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> they were part of that raid. Uh, the I really wanted, like, a cutaway shot here of, like, as Tristan rides the motorcycle past, he, like, zooms past an open hangar door. And Kaiba like sticks his head out and it's revealed just a little bit of the blue eyes white jet. And he's like, he's like tinkering with it or something. Yeah. And he sticks his head out and does that. Huh? That's, sort of like, <laughs> that's the origins of uh, Kaiba's space program in uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Delta V. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like everything is, all the spaceships are modeled after dual monsters. Oh man. What? Okay. Going back to this tangent real quick. So the 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 Ursa twins, Apollo and Aquarius. Uh huh. Is that, is that still a good them? name? Do we like that? The Ursa twins. I don't know. I don't know if I like Ursa now that we've yeah. given them first names. Which what should their last name be? Something ridiculous. Something that would match well with Apollo. Now I'm just thinking of Apollo Justice from Ace Attorney. Oh yeah. Which is. A very ridiculous name. That is pretty good. Um, Apollo. What's like the Latin? Is there like a Latin word for velocity? Like speed or something? Yeah, what's a... What's a... What if his last name was just like Zodiac? <laughs> oh, that's good. Not caps lock. This is, this is a great part of the podcast. Uh, yeah, edit this out until velo- we get this. Velocitatum. Uh, Celeritas. Apollo Centauri. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, that's it. Aqua- <laughs> Apollo and Aquarius Centauri. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, so the Centauri twins, what does their ship look like? Uh, they, have a, they, have a, they have a ship that they share. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's a It's a... 
a medium-sized vessel. I'm picturing like a Firefly, like a Serenity vessel. Uh, and uh, Serenity class ship in this instance just looks like Joey's sister. <laughs> and they you know what it, it fucking with... looks like? Hmm. It's a space pod 2001 style that mm-hmm. looks like Karibo. <laughs> There it's it like is. a winged Karibo, except it's got like those anime jet wings God, that yes. it's able to maneuver around in space with. And it's just this like fucking orb. Yeah. Like, little land and each the of them has their own cockpit that's like one of the eyeballs. Oh, I fucking love this so much. Oh, I love it. And then, okay. And then Buzz is the pilot. Is he? Or is he just along for the ride? I feel I, like I he'd feel like be he'd... the kid who's like in the back eating snacks. Oh, okay, that's well, what it is. That's what it is. So Buzz doesn't actually do anything for the ship. He just says that he does. He says yeah. that he's like he is the like the cook. He's a sidekick friend character, right? Uh, and then we need a he's an, bald, an engineer. Of course. We need an engineer. Hmm. Would that be one of the twins? Maybe. Aquarius would be the the engineer. Aquarius would be the engineer. Aquarius doesn't have a tool belt. Aquarius keeps her tools in her fucking long anime braid. And her hair is just like the it's like entwined around like wrenches and stuff. Right. And each like chunk of braid just has different tools in it. So then she just like goes and it goes and with like a right. xylophone sound. Because the engine room does not have artificial gravity. So she just floats around with her fucking, like, space hair. And she just keeps maneuvering around in such a way that all her tools are right there. Right. While uh, Apollo's Apollo... trying to steer the thing. Yeah, Apollo is the pilot. And then and then Buzz is the... the uh, he calls himself... <laughs> he Gunner. calls himself... Oh, yeah. That's what it is. I don't know if the ship would have guns, because that's... It's a little extreme for Yu-Gi-Oh, as I, we know four kids believes. I was thinking he would call himself something like the the public relations officer <laughs> for the team. He'd be like communications or something. Commu- yeah, he'd call himself the communications officer is what it is. And then every time they get a call, he's like, uh, yeah, uh, hey, Apollo. <laughs> hey, this is a ship. Uh. He, like, <laughs> he, like, he like does that thing where he yells. He's like, Apollo, phone. <laughs> Like, barely covering the receiver. Uh, hey, Apollo, we're getting threatened. I fucking love this, man. <laughs> I right. wish this was real so bad. Okay, so so they find Joey. Joey goes to the hospital. Um, he apologizes to Serenity for not being there, and he, he does so by way of recapping the episode that we just watched. Yep. So, like, this is beyond the thing that we've talked about where they have to recap the show because they don't know, like whether this is somebody's first week or if they missed a week or something, he literally recaps the thing that we just watched where he goes, I was on my way here. I was in an alley. There were weird guys in the alley. They threatened me. They dueled me. They beat me. Then they beat me up and then they took my card and now I'm here and I'm here and I'm here late and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel so bad because I, I was there for you and I, I, I was, I wanted to be there for you and I wasn't and that sort of stuff. And it's like, right. he was, you were right to be worried, Serenity. He was mugged and apparently left uncan- unconscious in an alleyway for like 12 hours. He should be in the hospital. Yeah, it seems like Get yourself Serenity checked and... out for a concussion or something at least. Right. It seems like Serenity is like 
I mean, she's rightfully worried about her own operation, right? But she is so worried that she doesn't even think like, well, wait a second, why is Joey not here? Like, she knows that it's not like Joey to not keep his promises. Why is she not like, why is she not trying to call Yugi, you know? Yeah. Why is it Mrs. Wheeler? Because I, I, I would think, no matter how worried I am about my own shit going on, if like, say like you had said, okay, hey, I'm going to come and like hang out before your major operation, and then you didn't show up, I'm and, not going to be like, oh, that fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh. Yeah, if I okay. texted me, I'm on my way over right now, and then just radio silence. Right, for like four hours. Right? No, that yeah. would be, I would, I would be like, oh shit, he got in a car accident. Yeah. Anyway. Serenity's a teen. Who knows? Yeah. She's going through a lot. So, anyway, I did uh, want to point out, yeah. then Mrs. Wheeler hugs Serenity, but not right. Joey. Right. So Serenity comes out, and they reconcile, and then Mrs. Wheeler hugs Serenity. Joey hugs Serenity, but then she, mm-hmm. like, push it. I thought she was going to go and hug both of them, but right. she, like, kind of pushes him out of the way and just hugs Serenity. I mean, they do kind of have a, a good moment where joey's like it's uh he's he's like yeah i know it's it's good to see you mom and he's like clearly uncomfortable with the word like i think i think the voice actor does a really good job bringing that across and then if she's like hello it's good to see you too joseph no no she says son does she say son yeah it felt bad it felt bad and not good uh the rest of it felt fine but that part was like ugh. Don't call this don't call this child you haven't seen in seven years son. <laughs> I don't think my mom has ever called me son. That'd be that'd be so weird. Yeah, I'm not yeah. That's a that's a hmm. I don't know I don't know how much I want to talk about this on the podcast. That's a part of having a having a, my mother's new husband in <laughs> life that's a part of that relationship that i have not yet explored is will he continue to call me by my first name i sure hope so (laughs) no john's fine be a little weird if he didn't uh yeah he's he's a good guy i'm sure i'm sure he'll uh he'll be cool (laughs) (laughs) that's what i get for being in this country you know it's like oh okay hey there a person i have met once yeah bye uh anyway (laughs) uh so that night, I guess, because now we're the next day, right? That night, uh, Joey is on the phone with Yugi, uh, and he says, "Are Yugi and Taya hanging out? Is that what that is?" Probably. I like, I like, didn't get a good sense of space in this scene for some reason. But so Joey's on the phone with them, and he he's says, like in the lobby or something of the hotel of the of the hotel of the hospital. Yeah, and he says Serenity's operation went well, which is super great. Uh, and then uh, he like says that he's kind of worried about these rare hunters. Like he, he tries to describe them. I don't think he ever actually says rare hunters, even though that's how they introduce themselves. He describes them as butt ugly chumps, (laughs) 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 which is the most amazingly nineties phrase I've ever heard. And I'm surprised four kids used a phrase like butt ugly. (laughs) I mean, that was the time for it though. Right. Yeah. Like, if you're releasing something in 2001, 2002, that is maybe the last moment in history that you can get away with using a phrase like butt ugly chumps on television, right? Did you, were you ever aware of butt ugly Martians? Yeah. Oh, man. When was that show on? 
but I, I have a phrase lodged in my head episode. that I'm so sorry. I must have seen in a commercial somewhere. It doesn't sound like it would be in a commercial that like someone my age would have seen, but it was like the Bud Ugly Martians, and there's like a guy who doesn't wear clothes, but he's like a Ken doll or something. And the commercial was like, they're butt ugly. He is butt naked. And I, oh, yeah. for the life of me, I can't remember what that's from. Was I assume it was part of this show. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. For butt the, ugly Martians. I am, yeah. So the thing, a couple of things. So butt ugly Martians was a computer animated television series uh, produced by the British media group Just Entertainment in association with Mike Young Productions and DCDC Limited. Um, it was sold to ITV, CITV. Uh, there were also three video games. And this is where I have actually the most interaction with Butt Ugly Martians is I remember really wanting the Game Boy Advance game, Butt Ugly Martians BKM Battles. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Speaking of good space names, can I... Can I are you going to read the main characters' names? I was just looking at these. Yeah. Okay. So b- before we do that, basically that was the end of the episode. Was yeah. Joey calling the rare hunters butt ugly chumps. It fades to black. Whatever. The main characters from Butt Ugly Martians <laughs> have the best space names. Commander Bebop Aluna. B B hyphen Bop A hyphen Luna. Bebop Aluna. Uh, the mechanic of the ship. 2T, Fruity, the the number two, capital T, F-R-U hyphen T. Corporal, Duwa Diddy. And the description here is Corporal Duwa Diddy is the fun Martian. I was just looking at that sentence. I was going to highlight it, but then I remembered we're not actually in Google Docs, so you wouldn't see it. Uh, There is also a female Martian secret agent on the ship named... Shaboom Shabuma. <laughs> and, then, and then there's a human character named Mike. Hey, out with all these Martians. Oh, oh shit. There is an alien hunter uh, named Stoat Muldoon. Oh, fuck. That's, that's good. a very good name. Oh, that's a very good name. Oh, there's a robot dog named Dog. Of course. Of course, naturally. Dr. Damage. Oh, man. Humonga. Oh, okay. No, sorry. That was the other thing I needed to talk to you about, about Delta V and our very important planning meeting. Who is the spirit? What, what's the spirit guide that helps them? Who is their, um, their, their sort of familiar, similar to Yami or um, the winged Karibo? Hmm. Yeah, all I these think shows have like, not like an animal sidekick, but some kind of like plot and like i don't know some kind I of think companion it's the, i think it's the ai on the ship oh it would have I to be the ai is. on the ship for sure jimmy i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pitch you something because it's gonna it's gonna change something very slightly um let me let me find the it the ai quick. would be like cortana where it lives in the ship but then they can just like it would be like they would have like a phone or something they would bring like a space phone that like a chip that they would bring with them and it would be able to see what they're doing if they're just like walking around right i am going to slightly tweak your pitch for the ship i don't think it should be wind karibo cuz wind karibo was uh jaden yuki's familiar in gx mhm 
What if the ship was called Shining Friendship? Aww. And it was shaped like the Shining Friendship card. It'd be basically the same as a winged Karibo. But then the AI would be a, a, an animated version of Shining Friendship. I'm that trying had to remember a, what. A strangely friendship. familiar voice. Oh, yeah, that would basically look exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was picturing. That and then fat I, little orb. I think it would have Taya's voice. Do you think the uh, the AI, like the icon that appears when it's speaking, would be the friendship symbol? It'd just be a smiling face. The smiley face? Yeah. I think it would be. I, I, you know me, I fucking hate the friendship symbol, <laughs> but I think that fits. That would fit. It was, it was it's just smiley faces the, are in a lot of AIs currently. On their space suits, they would have little lines on their gloves that are never fully explained. They're like stitched into the glove material. Yeah. But if they put all their hands together, it forms a friendship symbol. Which they it. would not they would not do until the series finale. Of course not. They would like be going in to do the the hands in the middle thing, and then they would look down and see that it forms the, the smiley face. Right. Fuck I love this show. Yu-Gi-Oh! Delta V, folks. Right here. Alright. Jimmy, what was your favorite part of this episode? <laughs> Other than everything we just talked about, probably seeing a guy just summon like Exodia and obliterate Joey out of nowhere. What the like hell? It's nothing. Like, like it's, it's nothing. Like he's, like he's ordering dinner. Yeah, I'll have the obliterate, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I, I don't get hyped for much in this show. I got really hyped for that scene. <laughs> I was unfortunate enough to like glance down at your notes and see Exodia and got mildly spoiled for like oh no I'm sorry five minutes ahead in the show oh damn it but still Exodia like way to raise the stakes for season two is oh shit this guy's got Exodia oh no he's got like four Exodias right well, we know what that guy's deal is <laughs> he's got Exodias out the wazoo. This guy has uh, a mattress at home and like he pulls it up and it's just full of Exodias underneath. This guy is making it rain with Exodias, just Exodia parts left, right and center. I'm picturing like, um, like having a, having a bank for dual cards, right? Like for dual monsters cards. And you go to the bank and like the teller is like dealing you out the cards and he goes, and here's uh, one Exodia, two Exodia, three Exodia. <laughs> the teller is just like, what? Or like goes up to an a-, a card ATM and it just like spits out fat stacks of Exodia. God, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just one rare hunter. He's got a crap ton of Exodias. What, are we, what will we see next? Who knows? But I'm excited for it now. Who knows what monsters lurk in the heart of man? What was your favorite? My favorite was maybe more tame uh it it, kind of struck me like towards the end of the episode something that we've talked about a lot in this show is like really not having a good sense of the passage of time like Mm. we don't we still don't really know how long duelist kingdom was right or like how much time there was between getting home from duelist kingdom and the start of the next episode yeah for all we know like the first season took place over a weekend this episode, I think for the first time, gives us a really clear sense of the passage of time 
in a very like creative way, right? Like they explicitly show, all right, it is now daytime. It is now nighttime. It is now, or rather like it's daytime, it's afternoon, it's sunset, it's nighttime. Yeah, there's a gradient. You see it in the sky. Yeah. And then like the next morning and then like that, and then even in the final scene you see like, okay, this is definitely like evening kind of veering towards sunset, right? And I don't think we've seen that in an episode yet, at least not in a way that like we got to spend any time on. But I love that they had all these shots of the sky in this episode just being like, hey, this is kind of what the sequence of events actually looks like. And it gives you a sense of kind of how the characters must be feeling because of it. Yeah. I do remember at the end of uh, Duelist Kingdom, especially when we got into Pegasus's castle, they were just like, Every other episode, it'd be, like, thunderstorming because it was dramatic. And then, like, the next episode, it would be, like, bright and sunny. And, like, we could see the whole island. And there was just no... There's no time like there was in this episode. Right. Right. It was sort of like... um you and I have talked about this offline, but, like, uh, we just got done watching uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, and a thing that I didn't even realize is like, it's in canon for that show to just be in like summertime, like game of Thrones style. It's just always summer now because of the apocalypse. And I was so confused for so much of that show because I was just like, wait a second, what it's been like months. How is it still summer? What's going on? How are there still all these goddamn cicadas in every scene? (laughs) Right. So I just like, didn't understand what that was. But here, finally in this episode, you get a sense of like, all right, this is what's this is what time it is basically Mm -hmm. it's time to duel (laughs) (laughs) it's always time to duel yeah uh how about your least favorite part um the least favorite part was probably just uh the just concept of a gang of guys who run around taking cards by force but they completely play by the rules like, they yeah. all entered in this tournament, and presumably, since they know the tournament rules, they're going to be in the tournament, so they are going to they have their information and, like, personas, like, publicly available. And right. then they just, like, go around mugging this kid? Yeah. But, like, legally so. Yeah. Le- legally Within so. Within the rules. But they're playing by the rules, and then they just, like, straight up beat up Joey for no reason. That's such a either play by I, the rules or don't don't wishy washy all over the place, right? So wait, so wait, so this is your yeah, so this is your least favorite then. Yes, because you want them to either play either. by the rules or be criminals. Don't right. go one and then the other. I just right, want some right, right. consistency oh, I see, I see. in these these rare hunters. I just I think it's so fascinating that like that's kind of we get that from both sides in this season because like Ishtar came in, uh, Ishizu Ishtar came in and was like, yo, what up? I got magical powers, like respect me. And in that way kind of breaks the rules of the millennium items and like reveals her power pretty quickly, but doesn't necessarily use her power for her own like gain right away. Like she doesn't, she's not like mind controlling Kaiba, right? Yeah. She's not like, Ooh, I got this shiny artifact. I'll use it to do crime. So in, in that way, she does kind of play by the rules where she's not, like, explicitly doing magic crime. And then these guys who are like, yeah, we're going to play by the rules just a bit, but then not explicitly because we're also going to beat up this 15-year-old. Yeah. There was, so it, 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 yeah. It, it's just uh, inconsistent. That's and I fair. get it because they're like, 
bad guys, but they're also in a show about dueling, so of course they're going to have to duel. But I don't know. I think that's just uh, a quirk of the format here that I just don't particularly care for. You want to see more uh, sort of back alley shanking. Yeah, either be a back alley shanker or uh, an, an honest dueler, but don't be both. Right, right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Duelist in the street, shanker in the sheets. <laughs> no, 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 no. The opposite. The opposite. Switch them. <laughs> Turn it around. What was your least favorite? Oh, that sentence you just said. <laughs> Uh, no, my my least favorite. I'm so upset. <laughs> now for several reasons. My least favorite thing is this whole economy of rarity that we've built now. Mm. Yeah. This episode messes with some some truths that I held about this show, specifically involving what it meant to have a rare card. Yes. So the rare hunters, and he doesn't explicitly say that ex- that Exodia is a rare card, but this dude has three Exodias. The card that... I mean, everything we've learned in this show suggests that Exodia is among the, if not the rarest card there is, just the pieces well, of Exodia. Yeah, having all five pieces of Exodia anyway, in a way that can be played. Because in the first episode of season one, we learn from Kaiba, who ostensibly knows more about the game than anybody besides Pegasus, right? Like, at least sort of factually. Yeah. Uh, He says that no one, no one has ever successfully played all five pieces of Exodia until Yugi did it in that duel. Nobody's ever been able to summon him. Right. Which implies that, like, even if it's not a rare card necessarily, it is at least a difficult-to-play card, which would sort of insinuate some kind of rareness. Not right? just rareness, but also skill involved. Right, exactly. And this dude just, like, pulls it out like it is nothing. And then he shows yeah. off, oh, actually, I have three of them. Yeah. So, like, what is it? what does it mean, then, to actually have a rare card... Because I'm I'm thinking about this in, in conjunction with Kaiba's whole deal, which is he has the only three blue eyes white dragons in existence to the point yeah. where he tore up the fourth, right? Like, why is nobody talking about those? Why are we talking about red eyes black dragon, which is like fine, but there's nobody hunting those down and tearing them all up so that they can be the only person with red eyes, black dragons. No, they've completely tanked the Exodia economy. Right. <laughs> this, this, this like Colonel Sanders ass motherfucker is like, <laughs> let me be a disruptor in the Exodia industry. <laughs> yeah. This is like post-World War One Germany where they just start printing money, except instead of money, it's Exodia's. Right, 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 yeah. And it's the exact thing that you were saying before about, like, anime escalation, right? Where it's like, okay, here's that super rare thing that you had in season one. Except they've gone to the extreme. Like, we're at a point now where if this guy has three Exodias, I'm expecting, like, every 12-year-old to have an Exodia in this world. Yeah, this guy could lose Exodia and be like, oh no, Exodia, just kidding, I have got another Exodia up my sleeve. 
Right, exactly. Like I think he's limited to three because I think we're still playing by that that rule that's not explicit in the show. But there's that rule where you can only have three copies of a card. That's the only limiting factor this guy has. Like I think you're absolutely right. He's just got pockets full of Exodia at this point. Like he could he could be the Oprah of Exodia if you wanted to be. You get an Exodia. You get an Exodia. Look under your chairs. You all get Exodia. He can just you know, mix and match the Exodia right? pieces to have like all arms and a head. <laughs> Oops! All arms. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really funny, actually, if that were a real monster. <laughs> the right arms of Exodia. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, a bunch of biceps. It just I I can't I can't wrap my head around like how are we the viewer supposed to figure out what is and isn't a rare card now? I assume they'll explain it to us, but they've already explained it to us the entire last season was about how only Yugi had Exodia. Right, or he'd only be able to play Exodia, I yeah. guess, now that, now that I'm thinking about it critically. But, like, also what you were saying before, like, oh, and, like, Dark Magician is a rare card? Okay, That's the why rarest have they card never mentioned this? Yeah. Like, why have they never talked about it being a rare card? They've talked about it being an important card yeah. for Yugi's deck, and we haven't really seen anyone else play it. It's Yugi's favorite card, but no one has seen Yugi duel and been like, oh, shit, he's got dark magician or right, anything like exactly that. exactly nobody nobody's been been freaking out because of this right and kind of the same for for red eyes like he got red eyes from rex raptor right mm-hmm. and like even then they were like oh it's a powerful card but not oh shit nobody else in the world owns this card yeah they're like oh cool a red eyes i love that card. right yeah yeah like how are we supposed to gauge how rare a rare card actually is if the the one thing that we knew for certain about dual monsters which is that exodia is this impossible thing to pull off An that's just been win. completely broken yeah it, it's all gone out the window right they have tanked the dual economy yeah yeah exactly that's exactly what it is oops all exodias millennials are ruling ruining dual monsters <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's my worst. Um, it's like, as far as worst goes, it's maybe not like the worst thing that we've come across in this show, but it, it's the thing that bugs me the most in this episode. That's uh, fair. hopefully it will get better. Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but okay. Yeah. So, oops, uh, all exodias. <laughs> oops, all exodias. With that, it's time for the m- 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 monster bracket. Jimmy. We have two really interesting monsters this week. We would do. You, would you do the honors of uh, introducing uh, it would be a our, pleasure. Two, uh, our two combatants? Ding, ding, ding. Gaze at this card and it gazes back. It's Shining Abyss. <sighs> I feel like Shining Abyss would have some intro music. It definitely would. Well, yeehaw, partner! Is this a dual monster or a custom Yosemite Sam? Either way, it's great mammoth of gold fine. <laughs> what the fuck? Doesn't that yeah. sound like a old timey swear? Like great it balls really of fire, it great really mammoth does. of gold fine. It's good. I like it. So yeah, that's all right. Them. There it is, shining, shining abyss. And Great Mammoth of Goldfine. 
Uh, real briefly, Shining Abyss is a level 4 fairy monster with 1600 attack and 1800 defense. And Great Mammoth of Goldfine is a level 6 zombie monster, uh, pardon me, a zombie fusion monster with uh, 2200 attack and 1800 defense. Where do we even start here? Man, both of these we could spend a lot of time talking about. Why don't you just start with Shining Abyss? It was first. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's describe Shining Abyss here. Um, the shape I want to talk about first. I don't even know where to start with the shape. I do is the is the problem that I have with it. Um, so Pepper has uh, this this toy. You can actually <laughs> just Google it. Um, called the Kong Wobbler. Uh, and are, are you familiar with like the Weebles, right? Like Weebles yeah. wobble, but they don't fall down. It's that basically. It's this sort of like oh, honeycomb. It. It's this like honey hive, honey by hive shape thing that has a weighted bottom, so the dog can like knock it around, but it stays upright. It's that shape basically. Kind of. It's got yeah. this. It's got this big butt, <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> it cannot uh, lie. Uh, yeah, you know, she she thick, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's it's got this sort of big weighted base, uh, and then sort of a thinner top. But then it also has these two big old shoulders with two little arms, and then two giant golden wings. The thing that I can't figure out how to describe accurately is the face. What I'm assuming is the face. What Where can the only face be assumed be. is the face area. Right. Yeah, looking at this thing is like reading about how angels are described in the Bible and they're all just like eternal spiraling wings covered with eyes. That's what this looks like. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's covered in, like, gold spheres. Uh, on, uh, like, a couple on its... Uh, it's badonkadonk. Uh, it has some gold <laughs> rings on its... Like, a belt. It has ring... Uh, like, gold orbs on its uh, knuckles, I guess. And then the face is, like, one big orb with, like... It looks like the... It's like, uh, a, the, it's like a... It's like a, Oh, it's no, a, go ahead. It looks like the Statue of Liberty's tiara type thing. Yes, it that's spikes. yeah. It's like a it's like a sunburst kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but it's just like a, this blank, featureless golden orb. And but then, it's on top of, I th I think it's like a flame. It, I guess it's supposed to be a flame. I was gonna. Go it's with also made of metal. Is oh, it does look like a paintbrush. Yeah, it looks to also be made of metal though. So it's kind of just like they're trying to evoke a sun and a a paintbrushed flame type. I would thing. I would go with flame. Yeah, it sounds better than paintbrush. Uh, the, the text on this card says this monster employs the powers of both light and darkness. Ooh. The so maybe it abyss. is like a sun and, a dark sun. <laughs> <laughs> a black know. hole? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? It's an abyss. It's an abyss. It's uh, I do like, weird I, to look at though. I do really like the hands on it though. Cause he's got, it's got these big old hands on little arms and they have uh gold knuckles yeah which is pretty badass it's almost like cartoon character gloves yeah yeah but with brass knuckles built in yeah uh moving over to great mammoth of goldfine speaking of brass knuckles how would you describe this it's a skeleton of a mammoth yeah like yeah it is <laughs> Uh, you know the elephant graveyard in Lion King, right? Well, and there's like even that. a 
there's even a, a Duel Monsters card called, is it Mammoth Graveyard? Yeah, uh, looking it up right now. Yeah, Mammoth Graveyard. It's literally just a skeleton mammoth card is Mammoth Graveyard. So Great Mammoth of Goldfine is that, but gold. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was just bone color, but yeah, it is gold. I guess, I mean, compared to at least the Mammoth Graveyard card that I'm looking at, which is like bone white, for lack of a better term. Uh, here's, here's the reason I'm struggling to describe it, because I can't decide if I want to say that it's gold-plated or solid gold. That's a great question. There's no really real way to tell. Um, I do want to point out, it is a fusion it is a right. fusion between Dragon Zombie and the Snake Hair, who we've talked about before. Yes. Our friend the Medusa knockoff. Jimmy, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say that that right there actually gives the edge to Shining Abyss because what about this card looks like either of those two things? <laughs> it's technically undead coming from the zombie, but other than that, sure. there's nothing that would make it particularly snake hairish or dragon zombie-ish so it it has it has zero dragon-like features and it does not have medusa hair and it's not how a zombie. is this card it doesn't have flesh a... it's a skeleton right right well okay yeah, yeah yeah so it gets the zombie part that's fine how is this card not a fusion of mammoth graveyard and something else yeah there's the literal skeleton mammoth card <laughs> what the fuck who knows it does look pretty cool though it does look cool. I will give you that. It's having a gold skeleton is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's like so rearing up and it's like about to gore you with its tusks. It's like it's got its mouth open. Uh, there's that giant hole in the middle where the trunk goes that people in olden times, I guess, thought was like the eye of a cyclops or something. Yeah. Yeah. It has a real cyclops vibe going on. Uh, speaking just mechanically, how do we feel? Because... Great Mammoth of, of Goldfine uh, definitely has more attack. Uh, they have equal defense, actually, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it is a fusion monster, so it takes longer to get out it's there. It's much more difficult to get out than just regular summoning. Uh, I may be slightly biased towards Mammoth just because I really liked Mammoths as a kid. I thought they were cool. They are cool. Um, but... Like, Shining Abyss is just this, like, unknowable uh, celestial eldritch thing that's really right. compelling. It's not... It's it's like a light version of that awful thing that Pegasus used against Yugi in the finale. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thousand Eyes Restrict. Thou yeah. Look, it's kind of the same shape as Thousand Eyes Restrict. Yeah, except, it really like, is. the good version of Thousand Eyes Restrict. Right, right. It's the good twin. It is. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that. I wish I, we saw more of the wings because I feel like the wings would be really cool. Um, I, hmm. it's, I, I just think it's more interesting in general than uh, a mammoth skeleton. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, and if we're thinking of like, if we're thinking of kind of the this bracket as being we are building in a way our sort of like battle city deck... 
I wonder if we like which which way are we leaning here? You know, as far as like what kind of a card do we want to allow into our very sort of uh, uh, rare hunter esque deck? Yeah. Um, as cool. Well, if we're just having the cards by themselves, Great Mammoth mm-hmm. is more powerful. But right. it is a fusion, and we wouldn't be able to have it by itself. In a right. Deck. But, like theoretically, uh, it's stronger. I don't know. I still like Shining Abyss just because of how otherworldly it looks. Yeah, I'm into that, and I feel like I feel like if we think about some of the other monsters that have already like advanced to the next round, we have a lot of uh, we we have a lot of room as far as like if we want a monster that looks like a quote unquote like real monster, right? Like from mythology or something. Like yeah. we have a lot of that ground covered already we need the weird shit now yeah if shining abyss was a pokemon i would have it in my main team just because Mm. it looks so damn weird that's true that's true that's a really good point i like it actually i do have a screenshot here of when we eventually get to it in like 26 episodes jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) oh wait that's great mammoth uh, when okay. do we see Shining Abyss? In 18 episodes, we'll finally get to see Shining Abyss. Uh, here's a screenshot from there that I'll send to you in the chat. So you can see the tips of its wings. It looks more like a like a statue or an ornamentation. I think that oh. adds to its weirdness. Yeah, okay. I like the anime art a lot more than the card art. That was the reason I was hesitating. I was like, eh, it looks cool, I guess, but I just wasn't sold on the card art. The anime art here looks way better. Yeah, it looks yeah, like I'm into it. Uh like a robot that was designed by uh, a mystically powered ancient and technologically advanced race. Yeah, it looks like it's um like a like a what are they called in D and D? Like an inevitable, I think is what they're called. They're like these celestial automatons, basically. Oh, um, yeah. No, I'm into it. I'm into it. It looks like it looks like God made a robot. Yeah. Well, I think we're uh, both agreed. Uh, I think we're of an accord. All right, congratulations, ding ding, Shining Abyss, our winner of this week's monster bracket round. Uh, Jimmy, typically that would end the episode for us, but because we've been talking so much about Delta V this episode, I want to run one more thing past you. Oh yeah. Go right ahead. I've been looking at music. I'm going to send you a couple of links here. Um, let's see. Let me close all my bajillion tabs, including the Wikipedia article on butt ugly Martians. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been trying to figure out what would the intro and outro music be, uh, for, uh, uh, Delta V because I feel like it needs to be like appropriately anime. Mm-hmm. So here's what I've found so far. I'm 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 for certain about the closing theme. I'm open for discussion about the opening theme. The opening theme that I've selected is a song called "Pool" by a band named Trico. Uh, T R I C O T. Oh, I'm listening uh, to it right now. What's that? I'm listening to it right now. They are a punk ass punk band from Japan uh, that I cannot stop watching. Um, you know, they're female fronted. Uh, their bass player is just hilarious because she like she'll kind of like 
half sing along to most songs. I think she's actually one of the vocalists, but she's got this like just bass player demeanor. Uh, oh, she totally does. Right? Which is just like, oh yeah, you're a bass player. I assume you'll um, edit this in over us talking right now. So I am. I okay. am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why we're recording it on the weekend, so I don't have to <laughs> to do all the editing work in a day. This but, is so a good it song. This like big punk thing, and then it goes into vocals, which I feel like is very anime. Yes. The one that I'm for certain about, and we'll fade that song out here. The other song that I've picked is by a band called Perfume. Uh, it's their song Future Pop. And this is like the anime, this is, this is for a few different reasons, what I feel like is the perfect closing song for, for, uh, Delta V. So if we hit play on it now, there's a little intro thing that plays. Oh, it's already sci-fi. It's already sci-fi. It's called future pop. It's set in the year 2030. And you just hear that guitar come in. Oh yeah, this is for sure an anime ending song. And you're like, fuck, I just watched an anime. Yeah. Time to, we've seen some action, now it's time to chill out. Right. I like the visuals too. It's so good. For, it's like for people half who are like listening live right action now, and half animated. Yeah, Perfume is maybe like my favorite J-pop band right now. They are, A, just like an inspiration in general because they make good music, but also... Um, I, I've read a couple of articles because they're like, I guess, older than the typical J-pop star. So there are a lot of people who are like, nah, no, they're they're too old. They've aged out of doing J-pop. But they're like, no, fuck it. We're going to make it the best J-pop. And they do. And they really do. It's really good. So anyway, so yeah, that's my pick for the uh, the closing theme of, uh, of Delta V. I like it. Yeah, that's for sure the closing theme. Uh, Can you think of anything else that we would do for for an opener? Well, I'm just thinking, uh, all of the intros for the Yu-Gi-Oh! series so far have been very, very respective of the time frame when they came out. I mean, the Mm -hmm. original Yu-Gi-Oh! was all like super 90s and cool. And then uh, the last one we watched, the the school one that I'm blanking on the name. GX. GX was super like 2005 and later kind of right like uh green day sort of lincoln park rockin right 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 i feel like something that would come out today and be like referring to like the future or something would have to be like synthwave that may be just me because i love synthwave oh i like that and i don't Um... know if there's like any good japanese synthwave out i'm sure there must be now i'm excited to find out yeah let's let's look this up um yeah, there's. See, the thing is, is like if you just look up synth, like Japanese synthwave, it's gonna find you a lot of stuff that's like '80s Japanese uh, mix or whatever. If I just look up synthwave, um, I wonder. See, the synthwave is one of those where it's like I like listening to it, but I don't know too many of the artists. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, like most popular synthwave artists oh perturbator comes up first of course i feel like that might be a little dark for yeah an anime kid show about kids in space with like ancient egyptian 
space oh. saucers on the moon. Okay, I think I I know. I think I know what I would what I would pick. Let me look this up real quick. Um, okay, so not not Japanese. Um, actually, it looks like he was born in the town that I uh, kind of grew up in a little bit uh, in California. Um, I'm gonna send you this song. Uh, I don't know if it's if this is the right song for the intro, but I'm thinking this style. This is Marble Soda by Sean Wasabi. Hmm. Sean Wasabi, I, I, he's not synthwave, but he does these things with, um, it's called a, oh shit, what is it called? It's like a, a pad fighter or something. And it's, it's one of those, a MIDI fighter. A yeah, MIDI it's fighter. one of those yeah. things with, it's like a square and it has a shit ton of buttons on it. Yeah, and each button has a distinct sound. Uh, let me know when you're ready to play it. We'll hit play on this. Oh, I'm already listening to it. Oh, okay. So I'm going to hit play on it now for the for the listeners. Enjoy. Very happy. It's very poppy. It's extremely bubbly. Yeah. I could picture some anime to this. Do you see where I'm going, at least? Like, yeah. I do see where you're going. I feel like if you're doing an anime intro, though, it needs to be a little more dramatic. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see here. So if I go to similar artists. Let's see who we get. Can I hit you with something? Yes, please. I don't know if this would be a great anime intro. It would definitely be like a great anime outro. This is uh, Watching You by Dance with the Dead. Ooh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Let's open it up. I just saw that uh, Dance with the Dead is going on tour with uh, Dragon Force. Oh, shit. Dragon Force is still touring? God damn. I guess so. They're coming to All Portland right. in, like, November or something. Wow. Okay, uh, let's, I'm going to hit play on this. Dance with the Dead watching you. Yeah. Okay. Oh shit. Yeah. No. It definitely has that like almost aggressive. Like, yeah, you are in a show now. A thing is happening. But the thing about I like about this song compared to their other work is that it's almost like happy and joyful. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're in space. Here's all this cool yeah. stuff happening in space. This is really good. I like this a lot as an intro. It doesn't have any vocals, but but that's fine. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade this out, and let's see. There's one other group that came to mind. I think we're at that point where we, I think we may just need to open it up to the audience. Yeah. If you know, we've also been um, recording for like two hours and seventeen minutes for so long. Um, the other band, and I'm not finding the right song now. The other band that came to mind was Hyper Potions. Hmm. Um, Just the name you... alone sounds like something you would be interested in. Oh yeah, it's it's a hundred percent my shit. They made uh, music for like um, Rocket League and uh, uh, like Sonic Colors, or not oh, Sonic dang. Colors, um, Sonic Mania. Um, let me try. Just their song called Surf. It's maybe more of an outro song let me send it to you here and i will 
sort of fade it in uh, right about here. I'm getting an insurance commercial. Nice. It's got kind of a slow build. It's got like an acoustic kind of build. It might be more of an outro song. It does sound like an outro song. Uh, I like this though. Don't, okay, never mind. I don't know that it's there yet. I, it's. I feel like we're headed in the right direction. I think. I think your suggestion of like Dance with the Dead is maybe the closest that we have. But let's open it up to the listeners. If you want to get in touch with us and send us uh, some suggested theme songs for the imaginary Yu-Gi-Oh series Delta V, uh, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod. That's Y-A-M-P-O-D. Uh, and you can go to our website, which is heartofthe.cards. Uh, all of those things will probably lead you to the others. So, um, yeah, so any one of those will work. Um, Jimmy, your podcast, uh, Dungeons Against Humanity, uh, season one wrapped up. So that's a good thing to go listen to if you yep. have some, some free time you want to fill. DAH podcast. I've talked about it before. You all know the yeah. drill. DungeonsAgainstHumanity.net. It's .com. <laughs> no, it's .net. It's .net. Go to .net. Uh, I appreciate yeah. your Homestar Runner references. <laughs> You know, I, I try. Like 95% of my brain is Homestar Runner references. I don't know how I survive doing anything else. I, I mean, that's why we make a podcast, right? <laughs> uh, all right, folks. Well, uh, next week we'll be talking about season two, episode seven. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll talk some more about Delta V. While we're at it. All right. Uh, until next time. What's the matter? You never saw a guy kiss a card? <laughs>